I'm Stephen Gregory Smith. And I'm Matt Connor. We don't have a saying or a jingle yet, but welcome to Theater Stories. Stories. We're going to workshop that out of town. Um, how are you doing? Who? Me? Who else would I be asking? Eddie and Byron. I'm doing good. Uh, I've had a very busy little mental day of doing lots of little projects, tying some things up. And now I'm laying on the couch with the boys. Aha. So basically you're laying down and I am seated next to you holding a microphone to your lips like you're like the king in The King and I in the final scene. I, yeah, I, I, I trust you, yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, well, uh... We are back for another installment today. We're going to listen to two stories today by two different actors. Um, I think we should probably tell a story ourselves, though, um, at some point. Matt, um, do you remember when you fell off the stage in Les Mis? Can you... Can you elaborate what happened? Well, I was the professional understudy for the leading part character, Tenardier. And Chris Block was Tenardier, and he was going to Australia for two weeks. That was a long run. Remember that? How long was that run? It was like five months? Six months. Six months. It was long. We were doing Do You Hear the People Singing for a while. Yeah. Anyway, so... The time came for me to go on as Thenardier. And the set was painted like all black. It was very sort of industrial. Uh, it was lots of metal. Lots of like angular weird shapes to like maneuver around. Um, it was sort of like in a thrust, right? Yeah. So we all had dark costumes as well. So like there were times you just couldn't see. So anyways, I don't know what song I was singing. It wasn't Master of the House. It was like in the sewers. I don't even know what that song is, but it was like, in the sewers. Do, 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 it was, do, it was um, in the sewers. That's not it at all. It's the, um, here's a little thing. Here's a little tooth. Here's a piece of chicken or whatever. He's looking for little things in the sewer. And Sherry Edelin was Mrs. Thenardier. Uh, or maybe it was Miss. I don't know if we were married yet. Yes, Mrs. Oh, yeah, I'm just kidding. And um, Madam, Madam Tenardier, she's high up on this like second level watching me because I'm down below and she's like pointing at things and whatever. Anyway, somehow I literally just flipped right into the audience. Like I flipped off the stage, couldn't see where I was going, and just kind of went bloop, down in like the front row. And I, it just hit me. I didn't know what to do. So I just kept searching through the audience as if they were a part of the sewer. Underneath people's feet. And what kind of, yes, looking under the chairs and stuff. Here's a little shoe. What should I do? Anyway, Sherry. And someone in the audience was like, this is so interactive. Yeah, that was, I think, it, actually, I think it was the first immersive experience. Yes, yes. Sherry Edlin like pointed at me and cackled and left the stage like you fool I'm out of here <laughs> and she just left and I don't even know how I even got back on the stage or if I ended the song in the audience like I wasn't like you know five rows into the audience but I was because the it was not proscenium I was like stage left into a group of seats um anyway and 
I think that's because I got so into looking for things in the sewer that I forgot I was on a stage. You were acting too hard. I think I was acting too hard, and I flipped my character into Section A. Didn't uh, some people also fall off the stage in Assassins? running around that thing in the audience. Oh, our first assassins? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Will Garchor fell off. And so did Aaron Driscoll, because then her hands came up. Because uh. it looked like it was invisible, the edge, because that uh, the scrim like went right to the edge, but you could fall through it. Yeah. And people would run and then all of a sudden just disappear. And then you'd see a hand. <laughs> Coming back up on the yeah. stage. Yeah. Oh my god, that was crazy. Um, didn't you also understudy Chris Block in Whorehouse? Yes, I did, and I went on as the Colonel Sanders man. It was Melvin P. Thorpe. Right? <laughs> Melvin P. Thorpe. With the uh the um uh, watchdogs. What how's that song go? Texas has a whorehouse in it. Lord have mercy on our soul. And didn't you say do some ad lib? Of like when we started singing, we were the watchdog choir. Didn't you say I made those outfits myself? Oh my gosh. I don't yeah, that was not scripted. Was I nervous? I was probably nervous. I said, I made those outfits myself. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, well we're gonna take um we're gonna take a break. Hey, I just wanted to say Those were cute outfits. They were very cute, very cute. I wanna thank again all of our sustaining Patreon sponsors. Um, you guys picked the new Matt Connor Holiday album cover. Thank you, Patreon. Everyone did? Everyone did. I have not got the report. That's okay. I've got it. I've already started working on it. Um, so thank you again for all your input, your collaborative, creative uh, help. Uh, we'll be doing a lot more stuff like that. And if you want to become a Patreon member and find out what all the fuss is about, there's a link in the podcast notes. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back with R. Scott Williams. We will be right back. In 1985, Tyler was meeting Justin at their favorite arcade, Longshot. Just as Justin was about to confess his love for Tyler, the world changed. Blending elements of 1980s pop culture and LGBTQIA fiction, we journey through this incredible experience that brings them closer together as they fight against a world trying to keep them apart. Listen to Longshot on Anchor FM, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. For generations, people in Fairfax, Virginia have heard tales of the Bunny Man. Now, Bunny Man Brewing offers a tasty array of high-quality microbrews with a rotation of unique flavors. Come by to have a sample and maybe even catch a glimpse of the legendary hopper. But bring a friend, because you don't ever want to drink alone. Check our hours and see what's on tap at bunnymanbrewing.com. Hi, Stephen and Matt. R. Scott Williams here. I have a story about the weirdest audition I ever had. It was about 20 years ago. The audition was for Shakespeare's Love's Labor's Lost. Love's Labor's Lost is about the King of Navarre, who is a young and attractive aristocrat who has three best friends who are also young and attractive aristocrats. And they decide to give up the opposite sex for a period of three years so that they can pursue academic endeavors. However, 
the young and attractive princess of France arrives with her three best friends who are, you guessed it, also young and attractive aristocrats, and hijinks ensue. I was going in to read for the role of Boyette, who is a counselor to the princess of France. He's her advisor, but he's also her confidant, and they tell stories together and gossip and tell each other secrets and giggle with each other. He's very avuncular, so he's not just her chaperone. He's, uh, he's her older friend. It's a good part. It's a good part for a classical character guy. So they gave me a monologue to work on in the outer office. I went out and worked on it for about 10 minutes, and then I went back in to read. And the director said, oh, okay, before we start, I want to tell you a little about our concept. This production of Love's Labor's Lost takes place in outer space. <laughs> and he went on to describe all of the action that was going to take place on the planet Navarre. <laughs> and the princess of France and her entourage, which would include my character, will arrive via spaceship from the planet <laughs> France. Now, uh, all four of the young couples, they were going to look like humans because they're all young and attractive, so why would you mess with that? But everybody else was going to look like an alien. <laughs> somebody would have green skin, somebody would have a tail, somebody would have an antenna, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, I think at this point my eyes glazed over. He kept talking, but I don't remember anything else that he said. <laughs> Finally, he stopped. So I pulled out my script to read this thing. I, I just wanted to get out of there. So I opened my mouth to start, and he said, oh, whoa, 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 wait, wait, wait. Uh, by the way, you're an android. <laughs> Go ahead. Well, I think I must have blacked out a little bit because I don't have a memory of what I sounded like reading this monologue. Uh, I don't know if I tried to sound like a robot or a French astronaut or whatever an alien sounds like. I don't remember. I do remember I just wanted to get out of there with some shred of dignity. So I finished and then I left. Anyway, I got the part and I went to Connecticut for six weeks to do William Shakespeare's Love's Labor's Lost in Space. <laughs> yeah. True story. <laughs> Love's Labor's Lost in Space. <laughs> I loved when he said French astronauts. <laughs> I, I, and I thought, well, what probably what a really cute suit. I, I just wonder, like, and then he got it, of course. Those are the, the gigs you book. The ones you're like, what is this? Okay. Do you, um, I wonder if he has a picture he could send us. Um, I think he may have already sent me a picture. picture? Oh my gosh. Um, I think we can probably, uh, I think this might be a picture of it. I don't know. That doesn't look very alien to me. We'll see. Holler out to me, R. Scott. Um, well, thank you for sending that in. And we have another story from R. Scott as well. We'll get to that. Um, but we, we, we want to, you know, parse these out like like uh, hors d'oeuvres. Um, I thought of something while we were listening to that, not because I wasn't engaged, but because Whorehouse had my brain kind of... Uh, thinking. That's what a brain does, right? Mm-hmm. Thinks a little. I mean, mine, not so much. We, I was an Aggie boy in that, and we had to be, like, next to naked, if not mostly naked, if not totally naked at a certain point in the prom night. But we had jock straps on, and we were dancing, and I'll never forget the night that our very sweet 
spot operator, Peter, after the show said to me, um, you want to be very careful during that one move you're doing because I can see your anus. And I thought, from the spot booth? Oh my. (laughs) That is crazy. What does that mean? It means that you were bending over too far. I guess so. But I thought you could see it from up there. It's a small theater. All right. This next story comes to us from Harry Winter. Um, We're going to get colonial for a second. So here comes Harry. Only Theater Center 2008. 1776, I'm playing Ben Franklin. Ah, after two hours of being harangued by John Adams, um, spoiler alert, everybody does sign the Declaration of Independence. (laughs) We get called up by the Secretary of the Congressional Congress to the main desk to sign our names. It's a very somber, somber moment. And because we're putting our lives on the line, And we're called up one at a time by our state and our name. And then after we sign, the Liberty Bell gets rung after each person. So there's a big wong after each of these signings. So that's when I do that, that's what that is. Um, All right, so it goes like this. Two hours of this browbeating. Should we sign? Should we sign? We get called up one at a time. Mr. William Morris... New York, he walks up somberly, signs Wong, goes back to his seat. <laughs> Mr. Thomas Jefferson, Virginia, walk, 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 sign Wong. <laughs> he goes down stage front because we're going to stand there like the Trumbull painting. Mr. Benjamin Franklin, Pennsylvania, walk, 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 sign Wong, I go down and meet Jefferson downstage. Then we hear Miss Massachusetts, John Adams. <laughs> walk, 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 sign Wong. Meanwhile, Jefferson and I and 90% of the audience are on the floor <laughs> laughing. And that's my 1776 story. Miss Massachusetts all of, sudden, all of a sudden it turned into a pageant. <laughs> and now, Miss. representing Miss Alabama. <laughs> oh, God. That's hysterical. I've never done that show. You have. I was the courier at the River, at a professional production <laughs> at Riverside Dinner Theater. And, you know, I didn't know 1776 at the time. But, you know, I really fell in love with the book and the music and the... It's a very, very solid package, and I loved doing the show. And I didn't think I would, because I thought it was gonna be like, "Oh God, what a snore!" But it was, it was, um, it was fun, and it was historic, and it was, you know, it's like going back to school and learning things. And, uh, and I, you know, I don't know. Maybe I, I may have even understudied Miss uh, Massachusetts. I remember Tom's story at the Ford Theater production that we saw as the stenographer, whoever that is. I'm sure that's not the right character name, but huh? He was the one like oh the yeah vote yeah yeah or whatever, and he got very flustered at one point and yeah. it was hysterical. I forget his name. Yeah. Um, 
it's like a, yeah, I can't remember either, but I remember that being my favorite part of the entire show, which is sad. Yeah. I love the show, but that just made me holler. Yeah. Um, How hysterical. But, but, you know, that's so common for, I mean, I wonder if the audience even caught it. Probably not. I don't know. It's just so... I also love Tom, so I, I pay close attention to him on stage because he interests me on stage. All his choices. Yeah. Well, um, that was this week's episode of Theater Stories. Fun stuff. Thank you, R. Scott. Thank you, Harry. Super fun. Um, we will have more for you next week. Um, have a great week. Enjoy the remainder of summer, and uh, we'll talk to you then. All right? Bye! Bye. Thank you.